school year. Oops. So now it's not over. And with stormy-like clouds brewing, it's worse. The president feels misled and, says one source, he's not interested in having anyone else in charge anymore. And Trump is fixated on the information the Fed seized from Cohen in a raid last week, according to another source close to the president, who described Trump to CNN senior White House correspondent Pamela Brown as apoplectic over the ordeal. To make matters worse, there is no Trump whisperer to calm him down. There's just a runaway Trump. His attorneys need help and they know it. They've been feeling out potential lawyers and could announce an addition or too soon, according to a source familiar. But as another source adds, no one has the mandate to do anything. The lawyers can try to execute a plan, one source says, but nothing matters until the president goes for it. There needs to be someone who can talk to the president. Multiple sources say there is no ultimate Trump whisperer. There are different whisperers at different times, and none seem to have staying power, save maybe for the family. Chief of Staff John Kelly seems to be receding by many accounts. Hope Hicks is gone. He listens to old friends and ex-advisors, but three sources say this much is clear. He is calling the shots, not just the political shots, but the legal shots. He tweets when he wants to, and he will probably fire when he wants to, despite advice to the contrary. See Deputy Attorney Rod Reinstein. And he, Rosenstein, and he just doesn't want to hear anything, says an ally. The legal team, while continuing to speak with the special counsel about the president's potential testimony, which now seems highly unlikely, is a demoralized bunch, although they would never admit it out of loyalty. And why shouldn't they be? They're trying to corral a wild horse, as one source close to the president describes him, into a singular direction. But this wild horse can't be dragged in any way. That's scary. And that's coming from CNN. And they're not traditionally left-leaning. So, like, what the fuck? He won't listen to anybody. He won't listen to anybody. that it's just it's I guess it sort of embodies the American ideal of like oh fuck you I'm gonna I'm gonna get in my truck and I'm gonna get my guns and I'm gonna go down there and I'm gonna do the fuck I want because that's me I'm American you know the very like Ricky Bobby I'm gonna name my kids I'm gonna name my kids Walker and Texas Ranger uh I, I guess this is attractive to some people that he don't take nobody's crap. He do. He does. He do what he gonna do. And maybe that's attractive to some people. But boy, I'm more of like um. You know, well, I make terrible decisions. But you listen to people, and then you make your decision. And if enough people are saying, "Boy, this really, you really gotta do that," you should listen to them you know i'm gonna do i'm gonna do i'm gonna do it's it's all very sad uh let's hit the other side of the world uh, the left-leaning news shall we uh that's the kind of stuff i like with uh there we go Uh, oh God, there's another picture of him and it's just, I just can't, I can't his, I mean, the worst thing is that he, he is so, 
about physical appearance on everybody else. You know, like his beautiful wife who's not good enough because he wants to fuck porn stars because you'll never be good enough. Even though you're like a supermodel from another country that speaks four languages, you know, you can't listen to you. You have the baby. You're still not pretty enough. I'm going to fuck porn stars. It's very sad. It calls people fat, has called Rosie O'Donnell, has called people, you know, Ariana Huffington saying terrible things, just says terrible things about people and especially gets on people's looks. And he is the ugliest motherfucker. He is fat, he is orange, and he has fake hair. You can tell on his face that he's getting spray tan because you can see his eyes are like his actual color of white and the rest of him is just... He is an ugly man with a tiny, tiny penis. I'm sure. I really wish that Stormy Daniels would have come out and said like, what, what that, that's, you know, is that the non-disclosure group? Is that what the $130,000 was for? Was not to talk about his fucking tiny dick because his ego is so big. Obviously you're trying to compensate for something. Fucking, oh, didn't show anybody taxes. I had to pay taxes this year. You fuck bag. Did you pay any taxes? President? I don't, I, you know, I have to go off at least once. Uh, God, he's just, you know, and I never thought that I would say I missed George Bush, George W. I mean, although he might've been complicit in the 9-11, you know, thing, at least, uh, I don't know, is, is, is he was refreshingly honest, even though he was, you know, dumb, I guess. But what, I don't know if he was honest. He just looked that way. I have no idea. Anything. Uh, so Stormy Daniels, still crazy things happening. Uh, Trump calls Stormy Daniels threat a total con job. A non-existent man, Trump said, of the person described by the porn star in a sketch released earlier. President Donald Trump, this is, I find this very, very funny. Uh, President Donald Trump on Wednesday called Stormy Daniels claim that a man threatened her in order to silence her about an affair with Trump was a total con job. Referring to a police sketch of the man released a day earlier, Trump retweeted a conspiracy theory that suggests the image actually depicts Daniels' husband. A sketch years later about a non-existent man, a total con job, playing the fake news media for fools, but they know it. Daniels, whose real name is Stephanie Clifford, has said that in 2011, a man approached her and her young daughter in the parking lot and told her to forget about this story. Leave Mr. Trump alone. Oh, it's a beautiful little girl. It would be a shame if any if something happens to her mom, Daniels said the man told her. Wednesday's tweet was the president's second direct response to allegations that he had a sexual relationship with the adult film star. Earlier this month, he said he was unaware that his personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, in 2016 paid Daniels $130,000. Cohen told reporters that he paid Daniels with his own money and the Trump campaign was not involved. The FBI last week raided Cohen's office and reportedly seized documents related to the payment. Daniels told 60 Minutes in March that because of the threat, she signed a non-disclosure agreement in 2016, preventing her from discussing the affair. She's currently suing Trump over the validity of that agreement. She's also suing Cohen for defamation. Why is he responding to things? I, I think that that's insane that he's responding. That's, it, it seems like a bad, 
a bad uh, a bad deal for him because he shouldn't say anything. He should just deny, not even deny, just let it let it go. Uh, let's see. I'm I miss you, Latoya. Where are you? Wow, toddler shoots pregnant mom with dad's gun in parking lot? Holy fuck! Ha, what? If you didn't have a gun in your fucking car, you idiot. I want gun in my car. I want gun. Fuck. Fuck! The girl had no idea what she had done, and she was very scared, a detective told reporter. A three-year-old in Indiana accidentally shot her pregnant mother, leaving the woman in critical but stable condition, the local media reported. Wow. Wow. The child shot Shanique Thomas, 21, who police said is six weeks pregnant, in the shoulder Tuesday outside a Plato's Closet thrift store in Merrillville. Police said Menzo Brazier, the victim's boyfriend and father of the two kids ages three and one, left his legal nine millimeter handgun loaded in between the console and his front passenger seat before going into the store, according to Chicago station WFLD. After that, the couple's three-year-old daughter somehow grabbed the gun and pulled the trigger. The bullet went through the back of the seat and struck Thomas in her right shoulder. The girl had no idea what she had done, and she was very scared. Detective Sergeant James Bogner told NBC Chicago. Police said she got out of the driver's seat and collapsed after opening the door to the back seat where the children were. Plato's Closet employee Hadassah Zirkel told WLS that people immediately noticed something terrible had happened. We just heard screaming. We ran outside with a bunch of people. Someone said someone was hurt and bleeding. Brazier reportedly ran out of the store and tried to stop the bleeding until paramedics arrived. He said, did you kill yourself? Why did you do this to me? Store employee Rebecca Todd told WMAQ-TV. He rushed over. He was bawling his eyes out, her co-worker Paloma Priesto said. Employees brought the children into the store and comforted them, while first responders arrived on the scene and transported Thomas to a local hospital for treatment. She was transported to Loyola Hospital in critical but stable condition, W. Ellis reported. Brazier was charged with child endangerment. The two children are now with Child Protective Services. A loaded weapon with children in the back seat, a real careless act, Maryville Police Chief Joe Petruk told WMAQ. I hope she survives the gunshot wound. This incident is similar to a 2016 case that happened in Florida. The four-year-old son of a gun rights advocate accidentally shot her while she was driving. Oh, I, you know, I put my loaded gun in between the seat. A kid can't get all, you know, those, they have tiny hands. And I bet you're like playing fucking video games with guns all the time at home. So they're like, ooh, guns are cool. Or what is this? Ooh, a gun. Why don't you just not have a gun? God. My First Amendment rights? First Amendment rights? Second Amendment, I'm sorry. First Amendment rights is what we're doing right here, right now, which is telling the news and stuff. But uh, Second Amendment rights. So this is the gun rights advocate whose kid accidentally shot her could go to jail. The gun was unholstered and didn't have a trigger lock when the child grabbed it. The Florida mother and gun rights advocate who was accidentally shot by her four-year-old son while driving earlier, this is a couple of years ago, could be charged with a misdemeanor, the Putnam County Sheriff said. 
Captain Gator, Gator, what a great name. Gator DeLoach revealed the details. <laughs> Captain Gator DeLoach, <laughs> that's a great name, revealed the details of the department's investigation at a press conference yesterday, including how the toddler ended up with a loaded handgun while his mother, Jamie Gilt, drove the truck. The investigation revealed that Jamie placed the gun, which was not in a holster, under the front seat of the truck. Sometime during her drive, the gun apparently slid to the back rear floorboard below where her four-year-old son was seated in a booster seat. According to family members, the child recently learned to unbuckle his seatbelt. Investigators discovered the child removed himself from the seat, presumably to grab a toy from the floorboard, saw the gun, picked it up, and accidentally fired through the rear of the driver's seat, striking Jamie. The bullet struck her in the back and exited through her chest. Whoa. Okay. How about, how about don't have guns? No, anybody? I just, I feel like we're, I mean, we're literally going to hell in a handbasket. We've got, we're more interested in our, our president's more interested in telling you about his ego and that I'm better than everyone. I'm better than everyone. You know what I am? I'm better. I'm better. I'm best. I'm the best. I'm the best of the best. I'm the best looking. I'm the best president there's ever been. Even though like nothing's happened yet. What has he done? Oh, here's another good one. Unarmed black man killed in mind-boggling barrage of police gunfire. Excessive and unnecessary force. Uh, an attorney for Deontay Yarber's family called it the worst case of excessive unnecessary force he's ever seen. A lawyer representing relatives of an unarmed black man killed in a hail of police bullets in a California Walmart parking lot accuses officers of profiling, stalking, and unjustifiably shooting him. Deontay Butchie Yaber, 26, who had been driving his cousin and friends to a Walmart store in Barstow, died when police fired what a witness told the Guardian sounded more like 30 bullets, more than 30 bullets. A passenger was seriously wounded. They saw a car full of black people sitting in front of a Walmart, and they decided that was suspicious. Lee Merritt, an attorney representing Yarber's family, told the paper, they just began pouring bullets. It's irresponsible. It's dangerous. It's mind-boggling use of force. He said Yarber was hit an estimated two dozen times. The San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department said Barstow officers opened fire after the driver of a black Mustang, wanted for questioning and recent crime involvement in a sto of a stolen vehicle, suddenly reversed in a getaway attempt, crashed into the two patrol cars, and accelerated toward the officers. Police had been sent to the Walmart lot to investigate a call of a suspicious vehicle, the sheriff said in a statement. Officers involved in the April 5th shooting have been placed on paid administrative leave, police said. Dale Galipo, an attorney representing Marion Tafoya, 23, a backseat passenger seriously wounded in the shooting, said officers weren't in the path of the Mustang, so they had no jurisdiction to open fire. Video footage of the car after the shooting shows what appears to be many bullet holes. There's also minor damage to the front bumper and side fender, but it's unclear whether that happened prior to the incident. Yauber's aunt, Alita Yauber, said the car belonged to her son, who was a passenger in the vehicle, and that hadn't been reported stolen. She said her son had not been able to say much of anything since the shooting because it was very traumatizing. Yarber was a loving, caring, and friendly person, said Samantha Robel 
Robledo, who has a seven-year-old daughter named Nalia with Yarber. Our relationship was like no other, she told HuffPost. Yarber also has daughters ages nine and one. Yarber's sister, Ruby Hawkins, told The Guardian that police frequently targeted her brother. They are the biggest criminals. They are bullies with badges. I don't know how you can fear for your... I don't know how you can fear for your life with a person that's moving away from you, she said. Merritt, the family's lawyer, wrote on Facebook that the shooting was the worst case of excessive and unnecessary force I have ever seen in my career. The Yarber family deserves answers in the form of transparency by the Barstow Police Department, he said. Body, dash, and surveillance video must be turned over to my office immediately. The San Bernardino County District Attorney must thoroughly investigate and zealously prosecute the gunmen involved. Yarber's killing comes amid continuing protests against the Sacramento police shooting of Stephen Clark, also an unarmed black man who was gunned down in the back in his back his grandma's backyard in March. But yes. So yeah, what's going on in the world? We've got kids shooting people parents accidentally and we've got the police not accidentally shooting black dudes and we've got a president who doesn't give a fuck about that at all hasn't really said anything about gun control or violence or um any i mean do, hey do the are there in uh, england i believe that there's no guns uh uh for their police officers police and I'll put England um, guns, question mark. Police use of firearms in the United Kingdom. Why British police don't have guns? All right, see, it's that easy, folks. This is from September 19th, 2012, so it's old. This is from, so six years ago, British police are like, hey, we don't have guns. The deaths of two female police constables have brought into focus the unarmed status of most British police. Why does Britain hold firm against issuing guns to officers on the beat? It's the single most obvious feature that sets the British Bobby apart from their counterparts overseas. Tourists and visitors regularly express surprise at the absence of firearms from the wastes of officers patrolling the streets. But to most inhabitants of the UK, with notable exception of Northern Ireland, it is a normal, unremarkable state of affairs that most frontline officers do not carry guns. Unremarkable, that is, until unarmed officers like Nicola Hughes and Fiona Bone are killed in the line of duty. There are always those who question why Britain is out of step with the rest of the world, with the exceptions of the Republic of Ireland, New Zealand, Norway, and a handful of other nations. For a heavily urbanized country of its population size, the situation in Great Britain is arguably unique. Film director Michael Winner, founder of the Police Memorial Trust, and Tony Rayner, the former chairman of Essex Police Federation, have both called for officers to be routinely armed. But despite the loss of his two officers, Greater Manchester Chief Constable Sir Peter Fye was quick to speak in support of the status quo. We are passionate that the British style of policing is routinely unarmed policing. Sadly, we know from experience in America and other countries that have armed officers certainly does not mean, sadly, that police officers do not end up getting shot. But one thing is clear. 
When asked, police officers say overwhelmingly they wish to remain unarmed. A 2006 survey of 47,328 police federation members found that 82% did not want officers to be routinely armed on duty, despite almost half saying their lives had been in serious jeopardy during the previous three years. In a position shared by the Police Superintendents Association and the Association of Chief Police Officers, the British public are not nearly so unanimous. An IMC poll in April 2004 found 47% supported arming all police, compared with 48% against. In 2007, the center-right think tank policy exchange found that 72% of 2,156 adults wanted to see more armed police patrols. For decades, there have been inf incidents that have led to calls issuing all officers with firearms. Cases like those of Sharon Bagavensky shot dead during the robbery in 2005, or the three planes closed officers murdered by Harry Roberts in West London in 1966, or the killing of PC Sidney Miles in the Derek Bentley case of 1952. Few expect the system to change, even after widespread public horror at the deaths of PCs, Bone and Hughes. For one thing, incidents such as that in Greater Manchester are extremely rare. Overall, gun crime, too, remains low. In 2010-11, England and Wales witnessed 388 firearm offenses in which there was a fatal or serious injury, 13% lower than the previous 12 months. In Scotland during the same period, there were two fatal and 109 non-fatal injuries during the same period, a decade-long low. Additionally, officers, chief constables, and politicians alike are wary of upsetting an equilibrium that has been mainly throughout Britain's 183-year policing history. There's a general recognition that if the police are walking around with guns, it changes things, says Richard Garside, director of the Center for Crime and Justice Studies. Arming the police force would, say opponents, undermine the principle of policing by consent, the notion that the force owes its primary duty to the public rather than to the state, as in other countries. This owes much to historical foundations of British criminal justice, says Peter Waddington, professor of social policy at the University of Wolverhampton. A great deal of what we take about normal policing was set about early in the 19th century, he says. When Robert Peel formed the Metropolitan Police, there was a very strong fear of the military. The masses feared the new force would be oppressive. <laughs> like our police, a force that did not routinely carry firearms and wore blue rather than red, which was associated with the infantry, was part of this effort to distinguish early peelers from the army, Waddington says. Over time, this notion of guns being inimical to community policing and, indeed, to the popular conception of the Dixon of cock green style bobby was reinforced. While some in London were issued with revolvers prior to 1936, from that date only trained officers at the rank of sergeant or above were issued with guns, and even then only if they could demonstrate a good reason for requiring one. Today only a small proportion of officers are authorized to use firearms. Latest home office figures show there were just 6,653 6, officers authorized to use firearms in England and Wales, about 5% of the total number. Hey, Latoya! Hey. How was the How was the doctor? Uh, well, I I need to renew my insurance. Oh no! That's what it, That's what that was all about. Oh! But I don't know why. Like Wednesdays are all usually the best day for me to go. No, like around ten thirty. Perfect. Eleven. But yeah insurance fine yeah guns guns so this is so funny today i mean it's not funny it's terrible but um 
in Indiana, a three-year-old shot her pregnant mom. Oh, God, no. Yeah, because dad goes into the thrift store and uh, leaves his loaded gun in between the seats. No. So dad, so mom's sitting in the, mom's sitting in the, in the driver's seat. Oh my God. Dad puts his gun in between the seat and the console, just popping into the thrift store, just, you know, get whatever. And the child, the three year old girl, reaches in between the seats, gets the gun, shoots her mom in the shoulder. Oh my God. Uh. I know. Rem- and reminiscent of, remember in 2016, the lady who's four year old in, in, uh, in uh, what, Florida, her four year old shot her. And she yeah. was like a big gun rights advocate. Okay. This is, that's irresponsible. As a gun owner, you dumb yeah. son of a bitch. And also, too, you don't put your gun in the council because what if the gun could have, like, went off on his pregnant wife? As he's, it did. I mean, <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I hate, I hate to say I told you so, idiots, but why do you have a gun? Oh, that packs. That <laughs> packs is crazy. That packs. <laughs> packs a punch. Packs, so, packs you out. <laughs> so, like, uh, what's happening in America? Like, our our president's an egomaniac who has an inflated ego that he needs to tell pick. everybody. I know. Also, I, talk, I, I, I think the old disclosure agreement with Stormy Daniels is for her to come out and tell us that he has a tiny winky wiener. <laughs> because he's so... He is so intent on judging everyone else's looks. He owned the Miss USA pageant. Mm -hmm. He loves judging women so much. He has never been an attractive man. Never. And yet, and yet, I'm so good. I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the richest. I'm the smartest. And now his lawyers, he's not listening to his lawyers. He's Uh. tweeting willy nilly. I just hope that he digs his own grave. He's like, I will dig my own grave. He I have the shovel. I am grave. the best person at digging, obviously. <laughs> if there is ever a grave to be dug, I could, I do, could it. do it. <laughs> I'll do it the best. <laughs> that is so good. I am the best. I'm the best at hanging my own self. Yeah, he well, he's <laughs> trying to be his own lawyer now. Oh, by the way, he's not a lawyer. See, now if Obama wanted to be his own lawyer at any point, of course he wouldn't need to because he's an honest, upstanding... And he studied constitutional law. Right, he's a lawyer. lawyer. He's oh. literally... Really a lawyer. God. So, like, if Obama was like, "Hey, everybody, I'm gonna gonna," if something terrible happened and he had to represent himself, which obviously he never would because he has impeccable integrity and he's amazing as a human being and just all and, all and the way he's, around. He's easy on the eyes. He's easy on the eyes too. Good looking man. Doesn't have a huge ego. Isn't constantly like, okay, he's exactly the opposite of our new guy. But he, you can't. He who represents himself in court has a fool for a client. Right. Yes. Yes. And we've seen uh, episodes of when episodes. Uh, yeah, I know of the new is, reality TV show called This is a the reality show for yeah. real. Um, where people have represented themselves in the court of law and they always lose. Yeah, you can't. You can't. How can you? You, because the thing is, you need the whole point of having a lawyer is having someone outside yourself represent you in the way that you can't. Like, because you, who knows? Who you understands? Someone that the law? studied law. Yeah, that's like me being a. Hey, I, I, 
you know what? I'm going to be a surgeon today. I don't know shit about surgery, yeah. but I feel like cutting someone up and digging up their kidneys. Well, well, here's the thing, I though. I don't know anything you, about surgery, so... But you've had a period for many years, so maybe you should just be the chief of obstetrics yeah. <laughs> at Kaiser, because right. you could just apply for that job right now, because I as totally a woman, having a uterus and having a vagina that does things, I'm sure that you have the qualifications I, yes. to be the chief of obstetrics. I totally do. Absolutely. I don't even know what the fuck that means, but yes, I do. Baby, upset, baby. yeah, yeah. baby. OBGYN. But that that's Fun the word. home point. Exactly. That, exactly. Point. No, but that's it's the same thing of like I could be my own I c- if I could be president and I have no idea anything about anything. Clearly I could be my own lawyer. Well, you know his lawyer, well, one of them uh, cuz he barely has any yeah, left. Yeah, he's like three left in yeah. there. Mm. Well, Cohen Cohen. Oh, yo, did you hear about that bombshell uh, this week that okay, so he has Cohen had three clients. One was um head of one uh the uh, rnc chairman uh who got caught uh paying uh, 1.3 million dollars to a playmate because he had an affair with one wow. and got her pregnant and she had an abortion wow so that's wow uh, and we know uh President Cheeto is also one of his clients the third one they didn't want to disclose in court Ooh. the third one they said they were embarrassed to say but they, the judge said, you have to tell me who your third client is. Sean Hannity. Wow, that's so funny. So if you know, Sean Hannity has been sucking uh, Cheeto's dick. And now I was just reading that he's also been um, helping Trump with his tweets. Oh, no. Conflict of interest. Yeah, yeah. well, and the, but uh, if, Propaganda. You, if you read all the other things that they, they've been advising him, stop tweeting. Stop it. It, the, the court of public opinion is not a real court. The court is a real court. Court is a real court. The, yeah. The federal system law exists. Now, I know you never had to give. I know you didn't have to give us your tax filings. You know, and I, I really they got those probably, too. After the raid last fucking week. better. It, nothing makes me more incensed that the, the, the president of the United States should be like, standing up, waving their taxes in the air, saying, I'm an American. I pay taxes just like you guys. I am part of America. I pay taxes. I pay my... He's... Because he doesn't... Because... Oh, when you're... Let me try to do his voice again. When you're as rich as I am, you don't ever have to pay taxes. Because what you pay is a tax attorney... So that the money that I would have given to the government actually goes to my tax attorney. So I am a job creator. Do you see? The, the money, Trickle down. Yeah, because the, well, the money that I would have paid in taxes is a job. You give him every dollar he finds and I don't have to pay goes straight to him. Tax I, Dude. Shit is about to go down. I can't. I mean, it's, I can't. It's, I can't wait. It's, like, it's too much. It's, it's like, too, is it real? Or is this really? And okay. So here's the thing. This is this is scary. This it does. Listening audience, this does all come together. So today, the things that are converging are um, our president's an out of control wild horse maniac that won't listen to anyone, has no whisperer, and is off the fucking rails. There are legal things happening, and that's going to come to fruition. Also, on the other end, I feel like we've got uh, another three. We've got gun control issues on both ends. We've got unarmed black men being shot egregiously by the police. Uh, excessive force. We've got gun issues. We've got children shooting their parents with guns, and yet, and yet we're we're so concerned about. I mean, 
what's the real issue? If this was a real president, if he was a real fucking, if he really fucking cared about the United States, he would stand up and say something about gun control right now. This is happening. Unarmed black men are being shot in their grandmother's backyard. This is a fucking problem. Here's something that a lot of people aren't saying but it needs to be said. He doesn't care about this country. He don't give this country. He cares about his pockets, but he's so dumb that he doesn't understand that by not giving a goddamn is going to affect his pockets. And it's just like, I don't understand the whole Republican party. I just don't understand the fact of like your so-called trickle down economics and your tax cuts aren't benefiting. Okay. So you're, you're getting your donors paid off. Good. Great. But in the long run, it's going to hurt everybody. It's going to hurt your pockets. You want to keep your millions and billions of dollars, but you ain't going to keep anything because everything that you're doing with the economy and by hurting the little common man and the, or excuse me, woman, yeah, uh, yeah. and the middle class is going to there affect no you. Class. You can't, you can't have, listen, if I'm a CEO of a, uh, a company and I, I manufacture products, if I'm getting my tax cut and I'm, you know, buying whatever lot or yacht or whatever thing that I want to get with my money, if I'm not helping the middle class and the poor buy my products because I have my tax cut, how's that going to benefit me in the future? He, when they're here's, poor, they don't have money to buy my, here's, my shit. Here's what, this is what the I Republican, just went on a rant. No, Sorry. it's good. It's good. This is what the Republicans would say about that. Well, you see, you see, Mitzi and I, we, when we bought our second yacht, really were job creators because we had to have, you know, a boat captain and we have to have someone pump the bilge, you know, and then the chef, the chef on board, of course. So really what we're doing is we're job creators, the people where we slip, where we slip our yacht. You don't, they, we put it in the slip, of course, you know, we have to pay that. So please, we are job creators, you know. Um, <laughs> Um, so, but this goes into what's actually, th- what's trickling down right now is racism and hate and scary stuff. Let me tell you, tell you, tell yo <laughs> about, um, hashtag El Toro race wars, uh, 2018 El Toro is an amazing Mexican restaurant here in the mission district, 17 in Valencia. Every, if you've ever listened to this show for the many years, you'll have heard me talk about before. The happy hour special is phenomenal. She liked to go there. It's a dollar fifty taco, right? You can get you can get one taco for a dollar fifty, and you get free chips. And their salsa bar is great. They've got little radishes. You can like, if you only have a dollar sixty eight, you can get like a carnitas taco, and they put a lot of meat on it and little beans, and then this salsa bar, and you can get like a jalapeno that's grilled and some things and the chips and. Like it is, you could scrape that money from in between your couch cushions and go to El Toro. Anyways, so El Toro on 17th of Valencia is next door to a funeral home. So in, when Jonathan and I get there, we get in line. The line's pretty long because these people had just come from a funeral and they're cute little girls, they're little black girls and they're wearing these cute little pink dresses and they look so cute. But I was just like, I like kind of knew it was, it was a Friday. So I knew it was sad that they were at a funeral. I just assumed this. I didn't say anything or anything, but it was a big family. That's lovely. So big family they're all sitting down we're online and Jonathan and I are pretty hungry it's like 3.30 we haven't eaten yet today but we're just like being patient everything's cool and one guy kind of like cuts in with the rest of his family and the line is out the door and he like just kind of walks in the other door and cuts in with his family and we're like okay that's cool whatever but they're getting a huge order but they're all paying separately 
and the first girl is up there, part of the family, they're paying, everything's fine. But then one of them, she doesn't understand, and either does this guy the way it works, is that they make your food and then they pass it down the line, and then the order your food comes in is how you pay. But the girl is trying to pay for her food that's not there yet. So she's telling the lady, and she's like, this isn't the way it usually works. And then his tacos are behind our tacos. So then he's like, next in line, he's like, those are my tacos over there. She's like, no, no, these guys are next. And he's like, uh-uh. And she's like, sir, you're cutting the line, this is what we do. And he's like, I'm not cutting the line. Am I cutting the line to us? And I was like, well, kind of, you kind of did. It's not the way it works here. Like, they, the food is in line, not us. Like, we're not in line. The food's in line. He wasn't getting it. He starts yelling at the Mexican. We don't even know if she's Mexican. The, the Latina lady behind the counter. He's like, that's why we're building a motherfucking wall to keep you people out. You're so stupid. He's like, you can't figure out how to get your order right. You're so stupid. This is. No. He's yelling at her. He's like, I can't believe it. I'm not even going to tip you because this service is so crappy. I'm like, it's fucking El Toro. It's taco. It's taco time. Everybody oh, have a good man. time. Everybody I, have a good time. Oh, it's taco time. It's dollar fifty taco time. So he's going off in front of us, and then he starts yelling at Jonathan. He's like, you guys say I cut the line. I didn't cut the line. This this stuff is terrible. And Jonathan's like, hey man, you're being a racist. That is not cool. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not being a racist. Like, what? He's like, the service here is terrible. You don't know what's going on. Okay, anyways, finally, like, Jonathan speaks in Spanish to the lady. And I say, lo siento. Like, I, I love you guys. I'm sorry that happened. We didn't mean to do anything. But he was, like, calling her stupid and saying her customer service was terrible. We gave her a big tip. We gave her, like, a $20 tip or something. But because we were like, so I'll then it's not over yet. <sighs> then we sit down. We're trying to enjoy our tacos. And the guy, the African-American gentleman, and here's where I come in. I'm an empathy person. I'm like, he just came from a funeral. He's sad. He's taking it out on us. But as he's walking out, he looks at Jonathan and he goes, hey, man, you better thank God that that police station is right across the street. And Jonathan's like, oh, man, fuck you. I don't believe in God. But are you threatening me? Are you threatening me in El Toro? What are you saying? Are you saying that if there wasn't a police station across the street, that there something would happen here? He picked the wrong white boy that day. Think, and I'm sitting there going, Jonathan, Jonathan. He's, he's like, not the one. So then, and then Jonathan's like, you racist fuck. And then starts speaking in Spanish really loudly. And all the people are like laughing behind the counter and stuff. Because he's like, speak, because he speaks fluent Spanish. And like, so it was El Toro race wars. Fucking... 2018, and so, like, I get it. They came from a funeral, but that... I'm not going... I'll let you finish. But So I have a little empathy, but the thing is, like, that's what's happening in our country now, is that things are getting so divisive that even fun things, like $1.50 tacos, turn into, like, what, like... Black people don't like Mexicans, and you're allowed to do that. And then Jonathan calls you racist, and then you call us like, what? What's going on? All right. Yeah, please de- I, debrief me. I have I have an issue when there's uh, uh, p uh, you know people of color on color violence. I do, especially in a time like this. Um, I don't like when coons do that shit. That <laughs> that was a coon. That was a coontastic coon. And I, I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt because somebody, one of his family members or friends, uh, were dead. I, I, fuck that. Fuck that. I, I that, that that really pisses me off. See, this is <clears throat> this is a issue I have with uh, certain. Uh, I'm gonna say African Americans because not all black people are like this. Um, not knowing that their Latino brothers and sisters could be your grandmother or your grandpa or your tia or tia or your primo you you know and and the thing is 
how dare that motherfucker even mention a wall? The wall. Nigga, he trying to lynch you too, you dumb <laughs> fucking coon. That's what I That's, was like. I was like I'm like, are, are you really using Trump's greatest hits right now on a Latino? Yeah. Are you serious? I know. And Nigga, they were get working, back to the field. <laughs> they were working so hard back there. The ladies were fucking sweating uh, it out. They were sweating. Get they were doing taco. Feet. The line is out the door. They don't see the end in sight. And they're moving these tacos. And he just caused problems and it was sad and I was I was and there were children with him and I just kept thinking I just don't want children to see this behavior and think that that's how and things are it. and they see it and they see it and they see it and so like thanks brother for keeping up that stereotype good job yeah I mean I anyways it was it was upsetting and Jonathan was like way to back me up there and I'm like I'm not gonna back you up I'm gonna be the person that's like I don't I don't I'm sorry I didn't we didn't we're sorry we're white I'm like I've got years and years of white guilt okay it's cool you could like he could have said anything he wanted to me he could have called me a white bitch he could have but don't don't mess don't mess with my Latina Ladies, my buddies, my El Toro dollar fifty taco buddies. But this is, I mean, been I, feeding me for ten years. I love these ladies. Just because you don't understand, um, and see, this is always such a disappointment because we already have the stereotype of that we're angry, we're violent, we we threaten people, we're threatening people, right? And I, I'm just trying to like squash that whole stereotype but here again we got a field nigga that has to act all mad niggerish and shit yeah i'll say it i don't give a fuck i can't stand look chris rock said there are black folks and then the niggas yeah and he yeah. is on the nigga spectrum and <laughs> some so of those i mean that. and the thing is it's it's, it's because i'm sorry that you didn't get any culture I'm sorry that you don't understand how certain things go and you get mad at that and you want to lash out. I'm sorry that you're a fucking walking stereotype. And I and the thing is, Pam, I, I'm sorry that you had to see that stereotype of coonery. <laughs> I was, it gets, it get, I get so angry. I get more angry at that than racist white people. Cause racist white people, I'm just like, y'all just are fucking dumb. I don't get it, but whatever. But I hate as black folks, you know what it's like to be persecuted. How dare you say something like that to another person that's going through the same shit that you're yeah, going through. It's, there's a lot of, yeah. Ah, read a fucking book. Damn. It's crazy. So here was another thing that always happens to me on the bus. But and I thought this was kind of cute. I didn't really get it. But there was a lot of space on the bus, and um, two gentlemen, rather than sit next to each other and talk, one sat here, and there was a space between us, and then the other one sat here next to me, and then they had a conversation in front of me, and I was like, do we? And I was reading my book, so I didn't really care. But they were being really loud. And I was like, why did we Why did we perch ourselves on either side of me when we could have sat next to each other in a seat? Did you, were you worried about, what were you worried about? Were you worried about looking gay because you were sitting together? Were you worried about, what did you, were you trying to involve me? Because I was just reading my book. I was like, I don't, I'm not even, <laughs> I'm just, I'm not even going to look up. I just don't even care. But it was sort of perpetuating a stereotype of like we're loud and we don't give a fuck. Yes. But but the thing is, I mean, and then and it's, and it's, the thing is, it's not true. It's 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 always the bad. Oh God damn it! It's and always, I don't want to have like 
Stere- but st- I mean, but stereotypes this, exist is, for a reason. They, like, they I don't do. do yoga, but I'm a white. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there are, there are tons of assumptions that one can make when you when I'm holding a baby stroller. People can make all kinds of assumptions depending on how I'm dressed. They could be like, fucking uppity, yoga pants wearing, Hayes Valley mom, too old mom, probably artificially inseminated that white bitch with all her money, and it's like. Okay, yeah. so you're assuming things about me that aren't true, but I get it, like, because that's kind of a, you know, 40-something white ladies with cute butts pushing children <laughs> in strollers. It's like, oh, your husband works, what, do you, what do you, he has a new app, he has a tech startup, and you just get to what? Hang out with your kid all day? Like, what are you going to go? You're going to go get a fresh, a, uh, a cold, a cold-pressed coconut water for eight dollars you're gonna i'm gonna get one of those pressed juices for six dollars yeah with the beets right sure that, that shit is delicious oh no they're so good yeah. but it's so expensive it's yeah, like it, I, I mean i need one of those uh vitamix juicer machines or whatever but i'm juicing. sure i'm sure people think that like as you're walking down in the mission or what have you they're probably like thinking you know oh here's miss gentry well d- depending on how i'm depending on how, how i'm dressed, dressed. Yeah. yeah yeah but it's hard to tell because all the hipsters kind of dress like me or whatever well and it, I mean, I but know. the thing is, you're right, stereotypes happen for a reason. But, I, you know, just being a, a black woman, I don't, I don't fit any of those stereotypes. I know a ton of my people that don't fit those stereotypes, but yeah. there's always got to be that fucking coon that always has <laughs> to fucking you. ruin it and be like, see, look what you did, you dumb nigga. Damn. I, gotta go, I guess I gotta go shuffle and job a little bit and tap dance. No, I'm not. I would never do that. Actually, I can't. It's hard for me to tap dance and shuffle and jive. Um, but yeah. it's. I, Hello, I, my baby. Yeah. Hello, my. I sometimes darling. have to feel like I have to explain when I don't. I shouldn't have to explain. Yeah. And and that's the sad thing. And I don't. I'm I'm tired of explaining myself. But and but here's it's the so thing. Exhausting. In the bigger picture, there is this trickle down of social thought in that our president doesn't give a fuck and he's wild he's like he's like i'm gonna do whatever the fuck i want to do which is a very american thing i think he taps into a lot of that stuff but the bummer is that he is a racist misogynist and that is trickling down to the rest of our society so Although I don't believe in trickle down economics, I do believe in like trickle down thought. Like the, the like the thought that he's putting it out there that it's okay to be racist. It, oh yeah. It, and and that's what his whole I mean, that's what he ran on. So that's really scary because it trickles down to us here in the streets trying not to get in fights in El Toro during like Happy hour taco time? Is everyone just be fucking patient? Are we really, really, we're getting in a fight? We're calling people racist over, about, of what? Five, the five extra minutes you had to wait to eat your taco that was way too cheap? First world problem. The way, I mean, exactly. But if that's what's happening, if the feeling, if the gestalt of society is, this is my fucking war and I'm taking it. This is my taco. It's like, (laughs) it's, it. It shouldn't. I mean, it. The thing is, it shouldn't be trickling down to any person of color, and that 
when you hit that level, I'm like, whoa, that's pretty fucking scary. Cause you're just as you're no better than those crackers that I always talk about that are Trump loving supporters who are fucking racist. So you you should go fly your Confederate flag with those motherfuckers. I mean, I really think that it comes down. Uh, it comes down not to the color of one's skin, but to the amount of money in their wallet and their bank account. It, it, it is and about until, classism. And until we like can say, hey, you're to the people at El Toro, you're working too. I see you working hard all the time. That is awesome. Thank you for doing work and for, but they should be valued more. I mean, I mean, I, I, it's, but I mean, there's also, it's the, it's not the color of your skin. We have to band together and say the, the people that have their thumb on us, help, help. I'm being oppressed. Like there, there are our oppressors and now we're giving them guns and letting us shoot us in the right. streets. And that's the thing is that right now, Hey, it's just black guys. So just unarmed black guys. But when does it false. change to just poor people? It's mostly white people that kill people. I mean, I, who has the gun? Who can afford the guns? I, I would think that it would we be. We usually white get ours people. on the black market. Y'all get y'all at gun shows. <laughs> on the black market, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this: there is, you know, uh, being African American, um, which is different to me than being black, because again, you have different types of black folks. Um, there, our society, being kidnapped and brought to a place. 400 years later has taken a toll on you and we are still being oppressed so when you tell a person no when they've been hearing no for so long or being told that no they can't do that there's something that ticks in us because we've been told no the majority of our life ah. and I think that's something mm. that happens and you know I'm not even going to say African Americans I think there's something you know when you've been oppressed as a culture or as a people for so long you don't want to hear no, I, I feel that don't. way about being a woman. Yeah. I feel that way when people say that there's something I can't do that I'm like, fuck you, I can't do that. Are you fucking kidding me? Right. Like when I, it I, I work to... out of spite sometimes, yeah. but and it's because when it's unnecessary too. But it's... or when it, but it's a perceived thing. Like you're a little girl, you can't do that. Well, you're black, you can't do that. I mean, it's a very similar yeah. thing. You're not allowed here. You're not. No girls allowed. I can't go to Starbucks. <laughs> could you? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, can. Like the 30s. I, Could you imagine living in the 30s? Fuck no. I don't ever want to go I, back. No, I, mean, I can't. I just, the concept that there were separate entrances for people is so horrifying and offensive. But it was the same way. It's still the same way for women. Women don't get to go in a certain part of the Listen, Islamic temple. You, you know what happened in Starbucks, right? What? About, oh, you don't know. Uh, you should look it up. It's a uh, racist Starbucks. Yep. Uh, two, two brothers were just waiting at Starbucks cause they're about to have a meeting. Cause who doesn't have a goddamn meeting at Starbucks Absolutely. and not buy shit. But, uh, the, one of the gentlemen was, uh, asked to use the bathroom and I guess, um, she didn't give him a key or whatever. So they were waiting and the manager called the popo on the, uh, black gentleman. Um, cause they didn't, they didn't the, order the, anything. Yeah, exactly. You're going to, you're going to call the police cause someone didn't order something. What, and they, they said, and, they, and the manager said that they were trespassing and then come to find cause out. Cause he has dreadlocks. <laughs> Do you have the picture? Yeah. I have the yeah. picture of him. <laughs> um, 
And come to find out they were waiting to invest in property. One of the guys that they were talking to, some white guy, everything was caught on tape too. This is crazy. Um, and the, our, you know, our white allies were like, you know, why are you arresting them? There were six officers there to arrest two men. They did nothing, who were very calm, and they arrested them at Starbucks. You, you, yeah. Is this the one about reparations coffee? No, no. Oh, no, no, no. It's um. This was this was five hours ago. Viral video sees black man enter Starbucks demand free reparations coffee. Oh, that. There's a huge catch. No, that's uh, that's not it. Uh, you look up a two. Two Philadelphia Star. Yeah, Philadelphia Starbucks, or uh. Video captures second, racist, Starbucks incidents in Los Angeles. Oh, that's a new one. Oh my God! Another, what is going that's, on that's with Starbucks one. and that's racism? Oh, are we afraid of black people? That's it's, but yes, that's the thing. That's what's happening. Is that our, our government now is coming from the top, from the tippy top, is saying we went from having a black president. But it's always been there, Pam. To, it's but never, it's now it's, just, it's so it's, it's just so in your face more. It's so in your face. It's like it's like this that, is that's crazy. What's making America great again. Make that's how America great again with racism. Put some seasoned salt on that. <laughs> do, 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 do. This is crazy. A new video has been released on social media showing a Starbucks manager alerting authorities to get a black man removed from a Los Angeles store. Before the video began, the man was allegedly denied the bathroom code and told that he had not yet made a purchase. Uh, okay. Oh, dang it. It's got clickbait everywhere. Um... Yeah, the, the, I read about this one this morning. This is another one that happened in L.A. But there was one that happened uh, on Thursday uh, in Philadelphia. I can't believe how many there are. This is nuts to me. So we've got two days ago in Los Angeles it happened. And then we have uh, Women's March leader suggests Jewish rights group working with Starbucks is racist against blacks 19 minutes ago. Um, Starbucks in L.A., bathroom incident... Racist customer advice, Applebee's, Starbucks, and more. <gasps> uh, wow, uh, there's so much. I voted for Trump. White man screams at black Starbucks. Oh, I, I, I that's uh, from. I remember that one. Oh, here, here's the oh Starbucks, uh, Starbucks race racial bias. So let's see. Do 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 do. Philadelphia. So let's see. To the arrest of two Starbucks. Um, do do do. Sorry. All right. Here we are. Here we are. <clears throat> the men were denied use of restroom because they didn't order food or drinks. The store manager called the police, and when they refused to leave, explaining they were waiting for a friend, as the video rolled, the friend arrived as police led the pair away in handcuffs. They were later released uh, nine hours later, by the way. <gasps> nine uh, and hours for hanging out in a Starbucks? Yeah. Uh, oh, my waiting God. Waiting for a friend. Um, yeah. They weren't charged with anything. Duh. They getting sued. Yeah. Starbucks on Tuesday said it will close more than 8,000 company-owned stores in the U.S. And its corporate office on May 29th to conduct an anti-discrimination training for one day. Wow. Yeah, because, you know, you can get rid of that wow. racism in one day. Uh, wow. But, yeah, so that's what happened in Philadelphia. And these guys were meeting up. They were buying property. They, they were, were buying- having a... 
Yeah. These those dudes had some money and they were coming to That sucks that that's one of the stereotypes that <laughs> is attributed to African American people is that they're all poor. That uh, sucks. And poor that fucking or, sucks. or we got to hustle or we that drug fucking dealers. That sucks. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah. So that fucking sucks. It, the fact that we have to rob and steal and cheat in order to get ahead or you, you were up to no good. So, you know, let's get kicked out of Starbucks. Like they didn't even listen to them saying, hey, no, really, we're waiting. We're having a meeting, a business meeting. We're just waiting. Yeah. And we're going to wait till he arrives to, to get something. There's nothing wrong with that. People do that all the fucking time. There's and even some of the, the woman that was filming the whole incident even said, I come there and wait for my kids and I don't ever buy anything there all the time. Yeah. A lot of people, I mean, do you know how And then what's the what's the time? Like, if you buy a coffee and you sit and read your book for three hours or use their Wi-Fi, this are you allowed to do that? Do you have to buy, do you have to no, buy a coffee every 30 minutes? No. Do you have it, to buy a snack? No, it was the, the fact that these guys were black. It's because they were black. No, yeah. absolutely. It was just, you know. This, this, is, this is fun. From Applebee's to Starbucks, horrific stories of racist customer service. From Atlanta to Harlem, this happens all over the country. Yeah, I like to hear these. Yeah, the right to being served is something black folks have battled over for years from sit-ins at Woolworths to fighting against segregated areas many white businesses needed the law to be forced to serve people of color god it's happened to me so many times uh, that's uh, for uh, what uh, it's happened to me here no, it, and it my, happened to me here at Fisherman's Wharf and my buddy my our buddy Poji old dumb face has said that in Indiana at the deli he used to work at they had a nice african-american gentleman and they had to put him in the back because people when he was at the counter, the li his line, there'd be nobody in line, and the white girl who'd be on the counter next to him would have a line that was out the door. And he'd be like, I can take your order, and people wouldn't go to him. This is like in 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 Missouri now. Like, yeah. now. Well, and so they, they said, well, we have to put him in the back because people literally, I was like, he was trying to explain to me how crazy the racism out there is. And I was like, Oh. But you get it here, Pam, because I'll tell you a little quick incident that happened here. When my brother and his friends were here at Fisherman's Wharf, I was taking them around the city. They wanted to go to Fisherman's Wharf. We went to a nice restaurant. It was a bunch of old white folks up in there. Uh, and they all looked at us. It was like six of us. And they're like, oh, it, it, it's like you would hear a pin drop yeah. when we walked in. So oh we got God. a table for six. Yeah couldn't get served everyone's just looking at us and like the and the server who was he was kind of crack-ish anyway was like what can i get you guys he was just like not trying to hear it from us and we're like well we need time to figure out and he was just trying to rush us and he's like it's going to be a 45 minute wait for your food basically like trying to basically get us out wow you know and we're like oh, and i'm like sir you don't have to tell us that i work in the service industry Okay, we're just trying to figure out what we want to drink. And so we're all looking like, are we having a racist moment right are we having a And racist we're moment? just like, and I'm getting mad, but I'm starting to laugh a little bit. Oh my God. And then my brother's trying to calm me down. And I'm like, and the guy was just like, I'm like, he was just so rude and trying to ignore us and, and I'm like you know I, I like our money's no good here and yeah. it's probably way overpriced and I not mean, that great it was it was overpriced he and I'm like I need to speak to the manager this is ridiculous and the yeah. way you're treating us is you're not treating any of these people like this and the whole room like saw it and they're like like these people came here to cause trouble because they're niggers. Uh, but yeah, you, but, I mean, you read their thought bubbles. Exactly. And I'm just like, you know, we we weren't hooping up. We're, 
the way I'm talking is the way I'm talking. Like we felt very disrespectful. We didn't even put in a food order. Um, he did not come back to our table, and I let them know again that did you I leave? Was, oh yeah, I you know. So you stayed. You were there for about a half hour, and you were finally like, "Fuck this place." Yeah, you got it, it was it was it was terrible, and it was the first time my brother had came to San Francisco, and he's probably oh. from Missouri. Oh. So it was, I was just like, it's like the racism <laughs> follows me. It's it's like it doesn't matter where you are, um, but yeah. we end up you know. We left him $5 just to say a fuck you. Yeah. That, you know, like Thanks you probably for the water. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, you probably weren't expecting this, but I'm just going to throw that just to make you let you know that here's your fucking $5, which you probably weren't expecting zilch from us. But there you go. Have a nice fucking day. So, and then you just went to In-N-Out where it's much yeah, quicker and everybody's we went nice. elsewhere. But then we laughed about it. Yeah, and uh, it's ter- it's terrible that you experienced that. I, I'm, when my my husband and I, not the first we never, class. we never, I never felt it from people that we were an interracial couple. Like I never, we never went anywhere. Like that never happened to me when we were together. I don't remember any time. No, I was there when he got discriminated against, but I never felt a part of it. The, the police would just pull him over all the time. Oh, that's that's good enough. But because because his car squealed and it was belts. And they thought that he, they'd always be like, why are you squealing your tires coming out? He's like, I'm sorry, it's the belts. It's an old no, 280ZX. He, he was a black dude. Too. He was black dude too. Uh, so that said, we've all experienced waiting too long for food. The waiter cl- clearly doesn't like you or the assumption that you won't tip well. Mm-hmm. Therefore, dining or shopping while black can often be as bad as shopping while black. Yep. <laughs> um, here's just a few recent examples. In February of 2018, two black women at an Applebee's in Independence, Missouri, were racially profiled. They were accused by a white waitress of dining and dashing, and the cops were called. See the viral video below. What? Because of the outrage from the video, the Applebee's location shut down. See the statement from (laughs) Applebee's. We recognize the hurt and pain caused by the recent incident at an Applebee's restaurant in Independence, Missouri. We very much regret this occurred and sincerely apologize to our guests and community. After an internal investigation in line with our values, the franchise terminated the manager, server, and another employee involved in the incident. We do not tolerate racism, bigotry, or harassment of any nature, and we have taken additional steps to close the restaurant at this time Damn. in order for the team to regroup, reflect, learn, and grow from this. We are reaching out to the guests involved to apologize directly. We know rebuilding trust with those affected by the incident will take time, and we look forward to finding resolution in the coming days. Let's Let's, let's watch. I'm, yeah, I'm curious now. Oh, I don't. I don't think it'll reach. Um, no. We we can uh, here. I'll I'll do I'll do this. This is we're gonna get janky right here. We're gonna get it. Get, get janky with it. Oh shit. shared on Facebook now seen by over 2 million people. You're doing your job with this restaurant is not doing its job because if she's positive that she's seen us, we haven't been here. This is my first time After an hour into their meal, Alexis Bryson and a friend say they were approached by a police officer, an Applebee's manager, and a mall security guard. That's when they were accused of dining and dashing a day before. 
In the video, they repeatedly deny it. We have not been here. Backlash on social media was swift and Applebee's launched its own investigation. Days later, Applebee says the franchise terminated the manager, server, and another employee involved in the incident. Back to that video, you can hear the officer finally allow the two women to leave, but first they had to pay for that unfinished meal. What they're telling me is, is that they want you to go ahead and pay your bill and leave and not come back. Okay, that's perfectly not fine. Whoa. I've been to that Applebee's, that's an independent mall. <laughs> <laughs> that shit's closed down. Ah! Wow. Okay, so here's that's 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 that one. This is IHOP. On oh, March, I used to work there. You did. Yeah, ah, international so big. On March 11th in Auburn, Maine, a white teenager named Avery Gange posted on Facebook that he saw a group of black teenagers being told to prepay their meal, writing, "We paid and sat there for a few minutes, and I heard an employee tell the tables that they were going to need to pay up front." and it was a new generation thing. I kept thinking to myself that I have been to many restaurants with my teenage friends and have never had to pay up front. I called over to the group and asked them if they were seriously being asked to pay up front, and they said yes. He continued, so my father, mother, and I stood up and began to question why this was happening. I myself was already quite worked up as I knew exactly why this was happening. The woman who requested they pay up front came over and began to tell us how it was, uh, what the management had asked her to do as they had had walkouts, etc. She then looked at my parents and I and said, it's not because of their color. <laughs> See full post below. <laughs> okay, I will say this. <laughs> as someone that worked at IHOP all four years of high school, um, we would sometimes get a bunch of teenagers from Hazelwood Central. This is high school, St. Louis. And they were fucking assholes because they would not tip. And they would come, the basketball team would come, and some of them would dine and dash. So yeah, I can understand terrible. sometimes, but don't, that's, that is, that was some racist. No, it's, shit, um, yeah, def definitely. Some, but it's teenagers, the thing is, all teenagers have, are assholes. Yeah, I don't have to be ageist. If you're under 18, I mean, you just have to watch your table really well. The problem is yeah. if you get, but at, a, at an IHOP, it's kind of hard. I mean, but you have a lot of people there. That's the thing, though. It's an IHOP. At least there's a there's enough staff that yeah. someone's gonna notice. Someone's gonna notice you being tricky, and that is then a training issue. It's not. Yeah, it, you should never true. have to prepay at a restaurant yeah, that has just, a. That's weird. That's just so fucking obvious. Like these niggers aren't gonna pay. <laughs> The server was suspended for a week without pay after the manager confirmed she demanded a group of black teens pay up front. The location uh. temporary closed but reopened. Houston Steakhouse. In October, Love in Hip Hop Atlanta stars Deborah Atney and Mama D said their party of seven was denied a seating at Houston's. Rapper TL or TI led a protest <laughs> writing on Instagram. Okay, so I've heard four different stories from four different sources about discrimination against us at two separate Houston Steakhouse locations in my city. T.I. boycotted the restaurant, which was effective, causing at least one Houston's in Atlanta close. See the report below of the restaurant getting caught refusing to serve black customers. I heard about that one. That was last year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
we could listen to a thing, but it's okay. Angel of Harlem. On February 10th, 2018, Tara Fitzgibbon and a group of her friends visited Angel of Harlem restaurant in Harlem. What? According, in Harlem? Yeah, right. According to the New York Daily News, they were at the bar. A manager came up behind them and demanded to know how they were planning on paying. Nigga, you in Harlem? You were here last week and ran up a tab and left, the manager said aggressively. This was Tara's first time at Angel of Harlem. She, the site continued. Fitzgibbon says the manager flipped out, snatched a menu from her hands, banged on the bar and accused her of lying. The manager yelled that he had a video of Fitzgibbon dining and dashing at the restaurant a few days earlier, making the restaurant turn dead quiet. Tara said they were beyond embarrassed and felt dehumanized. The manager, who was described as white or Hispanic, pulled out his phone and showed Tara and her friends a group of black women who looked nothing like them, dining and dashing. As the manager kept accusing her of lying, Fitzgibbon said to her friend, Tamara Young, exclaimed, What? Do all black people look alike to you? The manager subsequently yelled at Fitzgibbons and her friends to get out. They then left the restaurant and were considering legal action. However, it didn't stop there. A woman in a Yelp review claimed she also visited Angel of Harlem on February 10th and a bartender tried to overcharge her. (laughs) Allegedly, the bartender said her boyfriend had been stealing drinks from the counter and that's why they were charged more. When the customer asked why they weren't kicked out if they were stealing drinks, she claims the bartender responded with, I'm from Europe, bitch. Oh, my God. In Harlem. Starbucks. Most recently, a Starbucks employee called the police because two black men were doing what scores of people do at Starbucks, using the coffee shop as a meeting place without making a purchase. The men were arrested and in jail for eight hours. There are calls to boycott Starbucks. Watch the viral video. Um... Starbucks has apologized, but the damage has clearly been done. If you are racially profiled or see someone being racially profiled, pull out your phone and document it. Every restaurant needs to be exposed if they don't want our money or support. Amen. Yep. Oh, man. I can't believe that. That's the norm. But this is what I I mean. This is what our whole show is kind of been about is what's happening right now in America. And these this we're at a racial crux right now we are at like but the the beginnings of a race war when, when are people gonna it's here's the thing it, it, it's always been there and it's it, it's it's just at a boiling point or it's just you know making america great again um <laughs> but I, I mean it's 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 never went away the only difference is now that we can film it and we have right. proof rather than because no one believes black people. We've been trying to tell y'all. But um, now that we have video and we've been filming things that go on with the police. Right. Things that are going on uh, at restaurants. Uh, the truth know. is there in the video. If you yeah. have a video, like, what are you going to doctor the video? If you're Facebook living, you're fucking Facebook living. Like, that's right. real. Can that be used as evidence? I would hope so. Well, we see it when it's used as evidence. Most police officers get off. Right. Well, and their body cams. And that's the thing with the... Um, shooting unarmed black men. We need all of those body cams, door cams, car cams. You need to give it to the lawyers right now to see what really happened in that situation. Because they're okay. It's like one of those things. Hey, you know what a stereotype is? Policemen are shady liars, and they will cover for each other. Oh, I wonder how that stereotype started. That's funny, isn't it? All the cop shows, all the shows, all the movies, all the TV things we've seen about 
cops being buddies and covering up for their fucking buddies. Oh, mm. uh, the girl was raped and murdered by one of our guys. God, I don't know. Uh, oh, you know, uh, they, we shot an unarmed black man and then we drug his body into a field and said that he had a... I mean... Oh my God, all those things that you just said are true. It's it's crazy. They can cover up because they're a boys club, even if there's girls. I, you know what I've been noticing in San Francisco is a lot of black police officers. And I when I see them, my first thought is... Like, I'm thinking like, well, it's good that you're here, but you, you really want to be a part of this? Are like, you being <laughs> complicit or are you really trying to change it? Right. Yeah. Because there are, I mean, there are some incidents with uh, black officers killing black men because they also have the very, they have the slave master mentality of, oh, I see a guy, black guy, perpetrator, perpetrator. Right. You know, that that is locked into a lot of... Because we uh, do it in our media. Because when you look at... I mean, we've looked at the the Missouri news that Poji sent me, and when it's like all of the crimes, and they show pictures, and they're yeah. all black guys. The fear. Yeah, it's just like fear, 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 fear. Scary black guy. And, and scary Mexicans. Why are we yeah. so afraid of Mexicans? I love Mexico. What is wrong? Why can't we be buddies with Mexico? Because they're not white. But Mexico has like, they have great farming. They have great grapes. They have great, they have lots of, I don't understand why we can't like be all buddy, buddy and like super funky, happy friends together. And you know. I wish, I, I just wish everyone would like, watch a movie called Blazing Saddles and just laugh <laughs> at all the stereotypes of how stupid and ignorant human beings are. Yeah. And laugh at it and be like, see, wasn't that dumb? Yeah. What a great movie. Right. Well, I, racism is dumb. It's seriously, it's like it the, is color dumb. Of your, the color me, of your skin makes you feel better than someone else. Why inferior. And plus, who wouldn't want to be brown or black? I mean, you get to sit in the sun. Yeah. You, yeah. age, you age gracefully. Actually, no, white, actually, actually, white people are trying to get darker because of, you know, tanning. Yeah, it's and I, you can tell Trump has a bad tanny thing. Uh, here, Trump oh, bashes God. California on border mission. Brown sees a deal. I want to see what's going on here. President, uh, this is San Diego. President Donald Trump on Tuesday slammed Governor California Governor Jerry Brown's Jerry posture Brown. on sending National Guard troops to the Mexican border, even as Brown said he was nearing agreement on joining the president's mission. The volley of words came after federal officials said Brown rejected a proposal for the California Guard's specific border duties, a characterization that state officials disputed. Looks like Jerry Brown in California Oh, I have to do his voice. Looks like Jerry Brown and California are not looking for safety and security along their very porous border. Trump said in an early morning tweet, he cannot come to terms for the National Guard to patrol and protect the border. He wants to bring the National Guard in to protect the border. Oh, so now we want to shoot Mexicans? Well, I mean, in all fairness, Obama did it too. Oh, okay. But, I mean, he... He's just butthurt because he ain't getting that goddamn wall. I don't find the wall. And the thing, it the wall is such it. a thing of contention. It's, and that the concept that, oh my God, we, we were building a wall. They're going to go under the wall. Here's something the wall. about Trebuchet. Let me hear something about Mexicans that some of y'all crackers don't understand. They're really fucking smart and they'll fucking just dig a hole. <laughs> <laughs> the trebuchets were the thing that I thought was hilarious that, that people on our side of the border could get hit with just flying pounds of drugs, you know, like, <laughs> like the old catapult systems. I mean, I mean, I, you know, it, again, it's the fear of the browning of the United States. So that is what it, what's going on because 
a lot of research has shown 2050 whites are going to be the minority yeah. i can't wait till 2050 i just want to see it happen um but <clears throat> and then it's going to be all, our, all our little octoroons yeah it's going to be y'all's turn now <laughs> that's what that's i probably won't be alive you, you, you be think a, i'll be alive in 2050 you'll be alive you'll be I'll smoking be 70 something chair. Yeah, oh yeah do they, they still they won't have rocking chairs they'll be like these weird <laughs> uh floating things like um uh, Brown's office responded with a treat reiterating its public stance that nothing has changed since the governor pledged 400 troops last week and the state was waiting on a response to a proposed contract that would include a ban on any activities related to immigration enforcement. The Democratic governor said California was pretty close to an agreement with administration to join the nation's three other Mexican border states, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas, for the Guard's third large-scale border deployment since 2006. Brown expressed strong disinterest or strong interest in work against drug and gun smuggling and human trafficking, noting that the California Guard already has about 50 troops near the border on such efforts. It's a very logical next step to add a couple hundred more or more than that. And the Guard is chomping at the bit and ready to go. I don't think we'll get there, Brown told reporters at the National Press Club in Washington. Mm-hmm. Republican governors of Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas have openly embraced the administration's plans and specific jobs for their troops. Troops, along with Trump's premise to fight illegal immigration and drugs. Troops from Texas are already doing aerial and ground surveillance to assist the border sp- patrol. The Arizona National Guard said last week its troops will provide air and ground support. Brown has conditioned his contribution of 400 troops on avoiding any immigration work, even in a supporting role. Talks with the federal government on what specific jobs that would entail are ongoing. It is unclear how troops would distinguish work related on immigration from drug smuggling and other crimes. Ron Villetio, U.S. Customs and Border Protection's acting, acting deputy commissioner, said Monday that Brown rejected terms to an initial troop rollout that was similar to plans for Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. But he emphasized that California may contribute in other ways, must still be worked out. Uh, deputy In the Defense Department's Deputy Assistant Secretary for Homeland Defense Integration, Robert Salesness said the initial phase had called for 237 California troops. Uh, uh, there's blah, 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 blah. Brown elicited rare and effusive praise from Trump last week when he pledged 400 troops, which helped put the president above the lower end of his threshold of marshalling 2,000 to 4,000 troops for his border mission. The government cast his decision as a welcome infusion of support paid for by the U.S. government to fight transnational criminal gangs and drug and firearm smugglers. The Guard has about 900 troops working on a border mission Monday. A number of changes. Okay, so I get it. Trump made a thing, and he said, "We're going to enlist two to four thousand of our national guard because this border is a problem." <laughs> and Jerry Brown was like, "I don't know. Okay, we'll give you four hundred. So he's like, "Okay, I get it. Like drug smuggling." There's no reason to drug smuggle anymore because you just smoke pot. No, we first grow of all, here. people get their drugs from pharmaceutical companies. Right, exactly. So that, that I'm worried about. Gun smuggling, I do. I worry about, you know, I, I have gun, gun I have issues with guns. But guns illegally coming across that would be on the black market. I guess that's good to stop. Uh, but the human trafficking thing, that's scary when they 
that bring people of- over for work and then they say you have to work they basically keep them in a sort of like as slaves working in yeah. their kitchens and stuff and they that to me that is more of a bigger issue than all the the you know the gun smuggling because you can just go get a gun at a gun show yeah. or walmart drugs you just go to your local doctor right but the human trafficking thing but but here's the thing the the government doesn't care about human trafficking no no they care about they just don't they want, just want people bar- to illegally come they ju- over they just don't want brown people that's what it is right i mean would they well their argument the- is that their argument is that they come over here and they work illegally so they don't have the rights that because people can treat them poorly people can treat them horribly they can but, pay them nothing they can pay them by the box do or you by hear the them piece. ever talk about canada canada do you ever hear them talk about canada like we're tired of these canadians coming over here and crossing our border right. ah. well will they would do they get them to an immigration or they but they just don't they're not looking ice is not coming after canadians you know you know why they don't talk maybe about they would i know a couple canadians that are here illegally and uh i mean i'm not gonna out them that would be terrible but i don't see ice showing up at their church or at their work mm-hmm. or rounding people out at their mm-hmm. children's schools mm-hmm. picking yep. up parents yep yeah Keep, yeah mm-hmm. yeah we need to build a wall to canada no <laughs> you know why they want to build that wall they don't got the complexion for the protection right and plus also too it's like you know again part of the united states was once called mexico Mexico. now here's the thing that i don't understand california is that the way that our farms are run here in california there's no you know like johnny you know smith doesn't on summer's off he's not going to go pick vegetables at a farm right so we've got but we've got these jobs that we need to have accomplished those raspberries are not going to pick themselves and there's and the strawberries all of the things but then we don't why wouldn't we want them to come and take these jobs that we don't want and that's another issue what's that, the problem mm-hmm. bring them over how do we make them legal how do we make how, can't we have like an id that says hey i'm mexican i want to work in california bada bing like i have a mexican passport i am a california worker what is wrong with that you've had some politicians who have had illegal uh immigrants that work for them sure, and nannies or they got and they got cleaners. outed well and that's yeah. the thing is that like if you housekeepers like i clean i clean houses here and there um and but, we're not saying this is just what uh, brown people do right exactly way. but but there yeah. if they don't speak the language there's a lot of different i mean and from mexico some of the best chefs in the world uh, when you go to your five-star dining restaurant in new york the best chefs are from mexico the, the guys on the line they work hard i mean and the thing and it, it's the thing is now it's it like you said people you know a lot of americans don't want to pick berries and black people definitely don't want to pick berries we pick cotton so we're like (laughs) fuck you we're not doing this shit anymore and i don't blame us i won't uh -uh, i won't do that um and there's a lot of issues going on with a lot of farms because they can't get anybody to work for them because of what uh the immigration and what uh, this administration has been doing but here's the thing uh migrant farm workers it's a thing it's a thing and the the whole illegal you know with people crossing over i don't even like to say illegal because it's you can't be illegal from your own land yeah why do we have the borders when do we decide whose borders are whose and all that stuff it's like when they when we stole the land from whoever 
mm-hmm. whomever was there. The, the indigenous. Whoever members. was respecting the land and stuff. We just pissed all over it. Had an yeah. R. Kelly party with it. Yeah. And, but we're doing God's will. You know, we're be fruitful and multiply. Eat lots of fruit. The um, immigration has been down from Mexico. Huh. Uh, I can't wait to go almost, back there. For almost a decade. I've never been. <gasps> I'm, I'm honestly I've been like, Canada. I'm thinking about, I, I want to be able to, at some point, do you want to live, live in Mexico for a couple of months out of the year and just figure out a way. You do it. I, I mean, I'd have to figure it out, but I, I mean, I just, if I could live in Mexico for four months a year, oh, oh, it'd be it. so great. It'd be so great. As I, could. I'd have to learn Spanish more, but yeah, um, that's no I problem. just, I love Mexico so much. I love the people. Everybody says hi. Everybody works hard. It's amazing. So fuck you, Trump. Uh, hey, everybody. This has been the Altcast. I'm it's so over. glad you're okay. I know it's over. Um, we we're really trying to help you, America. We're trying to figure out the answers. Trying to get you a stop a bigger vagina. Damn. <laughs> just come on. Just quit it with all the racism, okay? Just Stupid. quit it a little bit. Just the next time you a stereotype pops into your head, don't think think about them as a person and not as like the color of their skin. Say, well, I wonder if that person does this or I don't know. We're all humans, everybody. And I'm gonna look at the shoes. Shoes. My grandpa always told me always look at a man's shoes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tells you a lot about him. Yep. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Um, Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Run!
my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Well, hello, boys and girls. You know what a password is. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that gets you up to the front in all the right places. It's cannabis energy. It seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. And the swellest way I know to get it is just by using Green Army Skincare. Boy, they're just crammed full of cannabis energy. There are more cannabis energy units in one lip balm tube than you use circling the base 10 times or when you ride your bike four miles across the city. And it's fast acting. Why, no sooner that you apply some balm to your mouth or pain areas, you properly feel the new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Green Army Skincare is a good, wholesome product. They're made with body-nourishing cannabis and other natural ingredients. So go out there today and pick up some Green Army Skincare products from your local cannabis procurement center. Join thegreenarmy.com. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to invite you down to Bender's Barn Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van Ness. Uh, we've got great food by our kitchen counter offer, burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco, and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special. Shot a bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for 8 bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open uh, in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shout. Drop by the bar, make some friends. Thanks, folks. Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District, San Francisco, California. With a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. 
don't miss it, go to Bender's Bar. Big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Spark is San Francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven years. Spark is dedicated to creating the best in-store experience with its extensive menu, friendly staff, and one of the few cannabis vape lounges in San Francisco. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for recreational adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 10 p.m. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. Coming at these bitches and all these snitches, hitting switches, going back to bitches. Rainbow Grocery, a worker-owned and operated food cooperative located at 1745 Folsom Street in the Mission District of San Francisco. Let's hear what locals have to say about Rainbow Grocery. Their bulk section is dope AF. I love their, their variety. Two o'clock on a Wednesday. When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is here on Mutiny Radio. It's time for Some Call Me Tim. All right, uh, welcome to Some Call Me Tim. Today is 418 to timestamp it for you peeps. 418. It's almost 420. We have Juwan Rubin on the program today yes, to do. talk about what's going on. Juwan, I haven't met you before, but we have friends in common, so I, yes. I trust. I trust that you are. A, 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 if you want to listen, you can. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, you can hear the trippy music behind us. Nice. Uh, so. Yeah, we never met before. We've never met before. Yeah. So but I don't you know. Saw I the post. Know, saw the post on Facebook on Bacon. Uh, bacon is. Uh, I don't want to tell too many people about Bacon because I like to keep it as exclusive as possible. The, uh, the seven thousand five hundred people that are yeah. part of Bacon. Yeah, it's super exclusive. <laughs> a lot of fucking people. Yeah. And then there's also. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a Google Doc of all the uh, different shows in the area. So if you're a comedian and you want to know what's going on, then go to Bacon and find out. You know if there's an open mic near you. So yeah, I saw your post and uh, yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm down to do a little bit of radio or w- whatever we got going on here. I guess yeah. there's a podcast and all that. Yeah, uh, it, we're not we're not terrestrial, but we are on the internet. So. Uh, so on this show, the first thing I usually have you do is look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus. All right. And uh, and I ask, do you believe in Jesus? Do I believe in Jesus? I believe I believe there was a, a man historically named Jesus oh. who came from Nazareth. That's historical. That's in uh, 
you know that's in his history books uh as far as everything that's that goes on in the bible i also believe that as well really yes i do believe everything that was going on in the bible like noah and the ark and jonah and the whale all that all All that that. all right and so just to pre- uh, preface this, uh, I am an actual. I am actually a minister. Really? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so this this conversation uh, of, of, will of, be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I used to be a religious zealot. What does so, that mean? Um, I was I was one of the kids. I was on fire for Jesus as a child. Oh, like, you're a Jesus. Freak. I was a Jesus freak. I was. <laughs> I went to Christian school. I was. I was all about my 33 year old invisible friend that I got to talk to all the time. Nice. Solving all, solving all my problems. Nice. <laughs> uh, but I went. I went to. I mean, I was in a Christian school for kindergarten through seventh grade, and uh, really involved in the church until uh college so okay I what know happened in college story. well uh <laughs> yeah so what happened was we got had turned a, out huh? well we had a big we had a and i was no i was a i was a virgin until i got married um, okay i mean i was very like i didn't want anybody to see me naked that was weird jesus shamed me into okay. that whole into not getting an std thanks jesus high five, high five um, so oh it's great but um we had a mega church kind of in a very rich town and our pastor who we revered and thought was this amazing person um he basically was sleeping with all the women that he was having one-on-one counseling with wow and so he would be on the pulpit and he would talk about his three children and his wife and how much he loved them and all this stuff and then he was having sex with like they didn't know if it was was between nine and 18 women wow who were all and he was like saying he was sort of using god as a way to get them to do it like i have to help like I'm the go between between you and God and it was kind of like right terrible right (laughs) so when that happened like my whole world just shat I was like everything I believe in is lies wow it took us one guy having uh maybe halfway consensual sex with 18 women (laughs) right and it was like but it was that I had been taught to revere (laughs) this person right like and so it just, for me, that was rough. Yikes. I'm so sorry that had to happen to you, you know? I Man. mean, it was, <laughs> but I'm a much, I'm much better as like a crazy feminist than I was as a, as a religious zealot. I was annoying. I was like one of those, like walk up to you in the mall and be like, you need, is your life going to be, are you going to be saved by Jesus Christ? Like, is everything going to be okay with you? Like, I'm worried about you and I don't want you to go to hell. And so for God's love, the world, he gave his only begotten son and we should talk. And people are like, whoa, on fire for Christ. Get out of here. Nice. Nice. But that was, you know, I don't do that anymore. You don't do that anymore. So, so that was the defining moment for you. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. What, what do you want to know? Uh, well, I mean, mean, whatever, what makes you, oh, so you, you believe that like God exists and has a plan for your life and that yes. you're a tool in his ca- toolcase toolkit. Like sure. I want to know what, like how you, well, so, with- well, let's, let's start at the very beginning. Okay. So the very beginning in the beginning, you know, God made heaven and the earth. So we have to define who God is first. So I think what happens is um, a lot of people. So, I, okay, so let's go a little bit further back. So Plato, right? Uh-huh. Plato was a, a, a philosopher, the uh, the, f- the founder of all science really right now, right? And what he said was that the word doesn't matter. 
it's not the word that matters it's the idea behind the word that is that's real the words aren't real words are the way that we communicate with each other but the idea so if i if i say uh if i say the word chair you might think of something that has a back with four legs right but a horse also has a back with four legs right right so it's really what goes into your mind and so what happened was now fast forward hollywood uh, basically gave us images of who God is because there's because in the Bible it says no one has ever seen the face of God nobody has right right uh, Moses saw a burning bush a couple other people saw visions or whatnot but then no one's ever seen the face of God no living person and so when you think of the idea of God uh, Hollywood has kind of painted him as this big you know white guy with gray hair in the sky right right, right. the Zeus kind of thing yeah the so Zeusian I God. think that's kind of where it came from right is they try to you know make it make sense but really if you the the idea of God is that he's omnipresent he's everything everything is God mm. me I'm God you're God this you know the walls are God everything is God right and so from there the space between atoms. Right. The space between atoms. Because, that's like, that's the weird thing is, is you're sitting in a chair. Right. But that chair is basically a bunch of empty space. Right. Because if you look on the, you know, cellular level and atomic level, right. there's all this space in between these things that are moving around, yet that's a chair. Definitely. So it's like the space... Yeah, right. and I actually, I have a book on my website, JuanRubin.com. Um, so in my book, I talk about this, where it's that God is just a life force. And you oh. can call it whatever you want. I may call it God. You may call it God. Somebody else might call it the force. Somebody else might call sure. it mother, mother nature. Someone else might call fate. it Allah, you know, fate, you know, sure. whatever. These, these, these are just words that we attach to the idea. Did Now, I, 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 this is a technical question, but in Revelations, uh, John, in his visions, never saw God. He saw the beast with the six, six. He no. saw the headed things. He saw the he saw crazy stuff, a and bear frog or something. But and it's funny, no um, face of God. Um, you know, I don't know, you might want to Google this, but most, a lot of ministers don't preach on Revelations because John the Revelator, <laughs> John the Revelator, he was, <laughs> he was actually, yeah, he got, he got banned, right? And he was on this island by himself with his servant so he technically didn't write revelations his servant did huh. and he secluded himself in a cave with a bunch of uh incense and other things going on and that's how he told his his servant to write revelations so a lot of reason why a lot of ministers don't preach out of revelations some do but not a lot of them do because technically john was high he was high yeah <laughs> he was smoking that that yeah. cave fungus some weird cave fungus yeah, that has like that's how he PC saw the visions up. yeah sure. well and they say that when Jesus, when people try to scientifically reconstruct some of the miracles, and, and now with the legalization of marijuana, what a miracle. But they say that cannabinoids and cannabis were grown at that point. Right. And when the Jewish priests, they would be anointed. They weren't just like anointed with oil, like a little on your head. Right. They were like physically dipped in these huge vats of oil that had like all of these herbs and things going on and like yeah. probably cannabis. Yeah, yeah. And so because India was right there. There. Yeah. And that, I mean, that was growing around. I mean, it, it, things moved around. We know that there were trading routes and whatnot. Yeah. But so they literally like anoint them. And so they'd yeah. have visions. Yeah, yeah. Because they'd. I don't know, emotionally and physically prepared. Yeah, and that, and I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but I mean, nowhere in the Bible does it say if you're not to smoke marijuana. Sweet. Right? Well, it says body's a temple. 
and yeah. I guess but smoking but marijuana is, is good for you so you know it's kind of helping your temple it's not destroying it unless you talk about like current carcinogens and all that then in that case you do like a vape pen or you sure. do edibles yeah. but um yeah there's nothing real there's nothing technically a, a wrong with it it's just you know you have these traditions like I I grew up in the Baptist church so uh, they're very rigid very uh, conservative but you're not a Baptist minister I am a Baptist you minister. are a Baptist minister yeah. wow well I'm yeah I'm licensed through the Baptist church wow <laughs> wow but I'm a I'm eclectic my views are very because yeah you already that's pretty mind-blowing with the platonic chair theory <laughs> and uh but yeah so you're a Baptist minister yes ma'am that's great so but you worship you never swear you don't so I do swear so I mean okay. so okay we can go into actual scripture if you want I mean like the when Jesus says to refrain from using profanity if you look up the word profanity profanity just means any words that you use that will make someone uncomfortable or or, uh-huh. or demean them in any way huh. right so if I'm if I'm in a conversation with someone and I know socially it's uh, these are quote unquote cuss words and actually let's even back up a little bit more why are these the F word and the SH word bad words if you you know right so i had a psychology teacher he's he studied linguistics and he told me a story so i'm gonna tell you this story okay it basically goes like this so in england right because that's where english comes from in england before england was in a country there was two uh, uh major tribes and they were at war with each other right and so one of the tribes, uh, which we, we can call them English, on their armor during battle, they would write on their armor, fornicate and defecate. Huh. Was basically meant that they were going to rape your women and crap all over your land. Right? right. Sure, sure. So in retaliation, the other tribe wrote on their armor the same thing, but in their language, fucka and shitta. Huh. Right. And so needless to say, the English tribe won. And so that became uh, the other tribe became the forbidden language. You weren't supposed to speak that language. Yeah. And so when you talk about like our, you know, Baptist conservative Baptists, yeah, technically, you know, they they don't cuss. A lot of Christians don't cuss, quote unquote cuss. Uh, but that, that's just a misconception of what, you know, profanity is. Right. right? That's just the for, forbidden language. Well, so if I'm talking, so fast forward. So if I if I'm talking to someone and I know socially it's not acceptable to use those words, then I'm not all you know automatically going to use them because I know I might be pro, uh, be profaning them. Right. right. Um, however, if I'm in a conversation and someone's dropping an F-bomb, S-H-bomb, then that gives me free range to do it as well because I know it's not going to offend them. Right. And there's also a, a cultural context. When I hear people, when I'm on the bus and somebody has hip-hop music on that has very bad words in it, mm-hmm. I don't say anything unless there's children. And mm. if there's kids, I kind of put like the moral kibosh on it. I'm like, can you put your headphones on? There's kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. just because... Well, that's I don't stupid swear in, in general. They shouldn't be playing music. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't swear in front of children <laughs> because I don't think it's appropriate. I feel like yeah. these are words that we get to use when we're adults because we understand the language and we know how to use them yeah. and we know context. And so I don't want to do them in front of children. Yep. So that's the only reason. So it's it's moral. It's more like an. I don't know, an integritous ethical stance on swear. But I swear, oh my God. Yeah. Like, a, dude, I do stand-up, so I'm yeah. constantly swearing yeah. and talking about profane and ridiculous ideas. Off top, yeah. yeah. And when I first started doing com- I've been doing comedy for about seven, eight years now. Oh, so wow. When I first started doing it, I wasn't a minister, so I, you know, my comedy is a little more raunchy. And then when I came became a minister, it's like, well, okay, I should clean, probably clean this up, you know, clean up my acts. And sure. it was a very difficult thing to do to, you know, not use profanity and not, you know, not not go off the cuff with cuss words and even just
just the subject matters, you know, having to change subject matters. Well, when you write sermons, you write a whole sermon every week, right? You write an hour or half hour long speech? For the most part, I, either either I write it manuscript or I just write notes. Because you, you've got a captive audience. You can, if you can write clean material, you can do a 30 minute set every Sunday. That's great. <laughs> Basically, for twice for two different, two different shows. Thirty it's minute like sets. That, yeah. I mean, come on, that's great. It's kind of like that's that. That's super yeah. cool. I mean, but it has to come from the word. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you I, can do, make, I throw jokes in there. I have tons of jokes about feminism in the Bible. Yeah, Ruth and Esther. Let me hear one. Okay, um, <laughs> so you obviously know the Book of Ruth, so I don't have to. Th- there's there's two books in the Bible that are specifically named after women, and so right. I figure Ruth as a feminist, Esther. I yeah. should, you know do a little study into those. So what I learned um, from the book of Esther Mm -hmm. is that um, what you have to do as a woman is have a hot rack and not look Jewy. So (laughs) her name was Hadassah. They're like, oh girl, you got to cut that out. You got to, your name is not Hadassah. Your name is Esther. They basically put her in with the concubines of the king after he, he, he kicks out his queen Vashti because she won't dance around naked in front of his drunk buddies. And then he's like, I'm going to get another hot bitch up in my crib. And then he's like, you know, change your name. Don't be Hadassah, be Esther. And then she saves the entire Jewish people. How? she good at puzzles? Is she like, she's an incredible vocalist. She's an amazing musician. No, she has a hot rack and doesn't look Jewy. That's basically what I learned from the book of Esther. Thank you, God. Nice, I know exactly what to do with I know exactly what I should do as a feminist. That's um, awesome. Thank you. See, no, you get it because oh, you read yeah. the you've read the book. So yeah. when I do that joke, if people don't have any biblical knowledge, they just yeah. look at me blankly. They're like, "We don't care. We don't get it. We have no context yeah. for what you're talking about." I wish I had that joke uh, before I was a minister. I did a um, <laughs> I did a fashion show. Uh, I did a um, I did a private show, <laughs> and I did about 15 minutes set. Um, and I actually had dinner rolls thrown at me at this <laughs> church event, you know what I mean? And I, I made the joke, uh, let he who was without sin throw the first dinner roll. And like, they just came flying. I didn't know who threw them. It was, it was an interesting moment because that's I'm like, hilarious. you guys are Christian. What are you doing throwing dinner rolls at me? If you don't like my comedy, that's one thing, but don't, don't, you know, no, that was wow. funny. I, I guess maybe I offended them in some kind of way. So Actually, I was a minister at that time. <laughs> this is the thing that, this is a strange biblical question about, um, Jesus oh, gets man. big on people about calling someone fool. Right, so it's right. kind of like that. Just like Proverbs too. It's like, that's the super, is that like the judgiest thing you can do is to call someone else a fool or a foolish. And I'm thinking though, as comedians, Aren't we playing the role of the fool? Or is that linguistically different? The fool that he's talking about is not like the Shakespearean fool. Right, right. Which, like, so is it, which, like, what did he mean by, and why did he take such, like, great offense about calling your, like, it was in the Beatitudes, like, don't ever call anyone a fool, it's the worst thing you can do. Yeah, you know, Beatitudes, that's cool. And I'm like, really? Yeah, um, well, first off, you know, uh, it, it, People get in trouble a lot with scripture because the danger is, is that the King James version or any of these other versions, they're translations. So as a minister, what I usually have to do when I'm getting into a scripture is I have to translate it back to the original language, right? Because depending on where you are, if you're talking about Jesus, then that's the New Testament. So it was written in uh, Aramaic uh, Aramaic and Hebrew. And so depending on, you know, what scripture it is, you have to translate it back. So that scripture, I probably have to translate it back to Hebrew just to see what word fool, because he might be, it might be two different types of fools. Sure. Right. Um, And so uh, that's number one. Number two is um, 
um, you remember that, you know, we have the Old Testament, the New Testament. At the beginning, God made Adam and Eve and he made them in his image. Right. So uh, when he made them in his image, basically, he made them perfect. Sure. Or at least as perfect as he could uh, in the physical form. And so our our goal as human beings were always to be a a a reflection of God and his image and almost the perfect being that he is. So when you, when, when you're live up to that, exactly. So when you're <laughs> foolish, <laughs> then you're not being, you're not on the high wisdom of God. So when, mm-hmm. so when Jesus brings up, I'm not hundred percent sure as I haven't studied the scripture, but when he talks about the fool, he's probably talking about the fool in Proverbs because Jesus references the old Testament a lot. Right. So he's probably talking about the fool in Proverbs when it, the fool in Proverbs, it's always, it's always the difference between wisdom, which comes from God and foolishness, which uh, is not, not just that you don't have wisdom, but you don't have knowledge either. Right. Well, and it's, it, there's a, a, a carelessness of thought. It's that it's being, it's, foolishness is almost impulsivity because if you were going to think about things so it's almost like he's warning us yeah. against being yeah uh, think before you speak think right. before you think do before you but not even just that think and then also pray to god for the wisdom so that you can think clearly but isn't that just an argument for like meditation so that's the thing is Definitely. if you're praying like because when I was little, I literally believed that like Jesus, 33 year old Jesus with his little stigmata right. is sitting next to me on my bed, <laughs> petting my head. And I'm like, oh, the girls don't like me. And he's like, it's okay. You'd say everything's cool. And I'm like, but I don't know why everybody doesn't like me. And he's like, yeah. if you could just shut up a little bit, people might like you a little bit more. But Jesus, I don't. he's like, nobody likes to know it all, Pam. Come on. You know. But it, it's in the question is, as a child, was I truly. But. In my belief, that was there. Like, yeah. And, but that's not, that's almost like when I was a child, I thought like a child, and now I'm a man and I've put childish ways behind me. Off and time. it's like, so does Jesus, I mean, that's so weird for me because it was like, I think I was little and I believed that that was real. And now I'm an adult and I'm like, when we die, we're fucking dead. <laughs> like, that's it. There's right. no, there's no. 12 mansions in the sky. <laughs> There's no riches piling up for me. Right, it's right. kind of all here. Yeah. Well, when I first, uh, before I became a minister for about three years, I was really deep into the word and trying to like really, uh, get right. Well, not to say get right. Just, I was curious enough to really study it. Right. And so that's kind of why I prefaced at the very beginning that, you know, the, the word doesn't matter. It's the idea behind the word. Right. So, you know, to me, I'm praying to God, but to someone else, they're meditating to, to get nirvana. But I mean, or someone is speaking something into existence as well. Right. You talk about the law of attraction, right? Sure. So if you, if you say, I want this to happen and you, you think about it in a positive way, the law of attraction says that it will come your way. Right. Now you can make those parallels is that just the universe, you know, giving you what you asked for because you were thinking about it or, or, and, and saying it because the law of attraction says you actually have to say it too. Sure. It's the same as, as prayers is pretty much uh, in, in the that, same yeah, realm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the, the other thing is that like, when you're negative and in a bad mood, people don't like you. And so you probably aren't going to get what you want. Yeah. Like the nicer and better. And Hey, Jesus, turn the other cheek. Yeah. Uh, instead of picking up a stick, <laughs> or a gun, right. you can like empathize and and be calm because nobody can force any reactions out of you. Yeah. It's how we react to the situation and yeah. putting wisdom into your reactions. I think that's where 
Yeah. Otherwise, because if we're just being reactionary all the time, yeah. Then, then what? Then yeah. you have to respond, not react. You know, because re- reaction is at the very minimum level of physics, right? And we're a little bit above physics because we're sure. able to study physics, right? Un- unlike the trees who just adhere to physics and they can't do anything about it, right? <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't. Uh, yeah, they can't study physics. You don't feel just, the wind. You f- you hear the tree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's this is a so how old are you? Are you 33? You're a little older. I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, I'm in my uh, 30s. Oh, yeah, because uh, Jesus did all his ministry in his 33rd year, and I think that's very interesting, and specifically that it was just this one year. Oh, crap. And yeah. it's 33 is this great kind of thing. So, uh, my boyfriend just turned 33, and I wanted to have because he's also very religious. Uh, and I wanted <laughs> so to he's have religious, which you're not. No, no, he was. Oh, he's he was. also now he's like he's super into punk rock, and he's like, fuck God, punk rock uh, is dope. Yeah, I love but punk um. Rock. So at first, 33rd birthday, I wanted to have a party. And he's like, I don't want a party. So I was like, fuck. But I, I came up with the ideas for it. It was going to be all Jesus-themed. Jesus so I was going to make one called Pearls Before Swine. And they were <laughs> going to be little pearl onions wrapped in bacon. And then, like, with some herbs. So, like, with um, okay. herbs. So, like, I take, like, a rosemary and stick it through the pearl onion and then roast it and then put some bacon around it. And so that would be one, Pearls Before Swine. Okay. And I wanted to make, I wanted them all to be biblically themed. So I wanted to do five loaves, two fish. And so I'd want to do two fish in a salt crust where you take the whole fish and you put it in the salt crust and then you make it look like a fish on the outside and you crack it open and have like, and bake a bunch of fresh bread, like five loaves. I just thought it would be really cute, right? To have like a Jesus themed 33rd birthday party food thing. And he was like, that's really darling, but we don't have that many friends and nobody will get it. Like, they'll be like, why are you? And for a week I was like she trying to come me. up. Like, yeah, yeah. Jesus themed food. It's really funny because of all the parables and it's like yeah. the seeds in the don't you know the seeds in the in the in the uh rocky path you yeah. put, you plant your seeds you don't just it's the same thing he talks a lot about restraint you don't just throw your seeds willy-nilly wherever and go oh i hope something grows yeah you have to take it's the seed of, yeah. nurture the seed maybe even germinate it first you've yeah. got to nurture the soil you got to build your little do the whole thing plant it put on the fertilizer don't throw it on rocks yeah don't why would you <laughs> why would you have expectations of anything i i really love the parables because i love allegories and i think any fable being told as like I feel like that's what's wrong with kids these days is we're not teaching them moralistic anything it's like Disney is teaching them morals which is terrible we don't want why are we giving Disney all the power over shaping our children where it's like but the parables and allegories it's great stuff you know like the you know, don't and build your house in a sandy land. Don't yeah. build it too near the shore. And that's what, and that's one of the reasons why Jesus spoke in parables because it, it helped people unlock their minds. You know, um, metaphors and all that. The, just the beauty of of linguistics. That's what I, I really love. Uh, actually, I teach, <laughs> I teach a public speaking class and a writing class, um, like five or six hours a week. And cool. Yeah, I, I try to let them know about similes and all that stuff. And it's it's interesting to see how kids, you know, they. Somewhere in their brain, they get it, right? But they they can't put it into words what they understand or what they get, right? And so, you know, you bringing that up is is that makes a lot of sense. And and it, even just you know, I'll have kids. Do you have kids? No. Okay. Well, I hopefully you know I don't know. One day I'll have kids, or maybe not. I don't really care at this point. But uh, you know, um, 
yeah so kids like um one, one thing that i, I want to do is I, I don't want them to be in the school system because i i just i feel like yeah yeah like it's a it's a babysitting system right? absolutely that's kind of where it came from when when the industrial revolution hit all of a sudden now people are going to work uh nine to five whereas prior to that people owned a farm or they owned a business right. and they just worked whenever you know um and so when they were in the factory from nine to five couldn't leave the kids needed something to do so that's where k, k through 12 came about wow and so i've been te- you know i've I've been teaching for about six or seven years as well. And when I first, the first time I started teaching, I was like, why are we teaching these, these kids, these outdated things? Right. You know, it really, we're I, teaching to the test, which yeah. is so dumb when no child they're left not behind. they not anything. No, they're not. Cause they're not, there's no critical thought. I, no. I thought that George Bush's, I was, I was a credentialed school teacher from 97 to 2001. Right. And I got out because I saw what No Child Left Behind was bringing in. Oh, And really? that was taking away critical thought. Everything went from... Test taking. It, huh? it went to test taking. Wow. And fill in the blank and, and fill in the simile. This is to this, is this is to this. You know, wow. that kind of stuff. As opposed to reading a story and and considering the themes and applying those themes to your own life or like all of that was just gone. Creative writing gone. Yeah. I graduated Oh four. So I probably saw the, the tail end of that. But, um, yeah, when I was, um, yeah, when I was in high school, I, I went to a pretty cool high school. So uh, shout out to James Logan in Union City. Um, very, it's a, it's a college preparatory school. So they still made us do that. And I, I had a really hard time. Like I was telling my kids the other day, like I had a hard time understanding English just because I was a mathematical thinker. And everything huh. you just said about like um, analyzing themes. It just didn't make any sense to me because in math, there's always one answer. Right. But when there's when you're reading a book, there might be multiple themes. And I right. couldn't grasp the concept of there being more than one theme. Sure. But it really helped me. When I figured it out in college, really, uh, my mind just opened up. Right. And just I started I started seeing things from different perspectives. Exactly. I think that the only thing that's going to save the world right now is uh fiction stories literature is good literature written about people <laughs> who, who writes good literature well anymore. i i think that Stephen, <laughs> i think i think that stephen king is going to be known as as one of the literary greats one day because of his short stories are really incredible but yeah. when you are writing in even a first person narrative and it's somewhat like stephen king can write from a woman's perspective and he does it amazingly he can write from like a racist's perspective and mm. it's totally great you can he can write from a misogynist pers- he can write from a crazy person's perspective yeah, he wrote a lot of books he's written oh my god he's written like crazy so many novels and then all the short stories and everything he's, it's just it's mind-blowing but i think that's what can save the reason that we people don't why can't we just all get along mm-hmm. is that we are unable to empathize with one another and right. one of the ways that we can teach empathy is through fiction off top because when people are reading a story mm-hmm. you get that intimate like you're the character right right it's right, your right. brain or you're that you know like you're there as you but you're also there as what the author wants you to do well frig it's, it's also it's a dangerous uh, situation now because i don't know if you heard but like kids have they just have like ipads and laptops in school now so now they're 